Okay, let's get ahead of this right now. The Packers are not going to draft a running back in the first round. Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58. I'm John Meerdink, your host. This is the official podcast of thepowersweep.com. We are joined tonight by intrepid reporter Gary Zillavi. How are we doing, Gary? It's a great day to be great, John. It is a great day to be great. Great day for some headlines. So how about it? Let's jump right into what we've got going on in the world of the Packers this week. I feel like we've done this one before, Gary. The headline coming from acmepackingcompany.com, Elliot Wolf to stay in Green Bay. Again, uh, the word out of Green Bay is that Elliot Wolf interviewed for the general manager job with the Indianapolis Colts, but they have decided to go in a different direction, hiring Chris Ballard instead to head up their front office. Gary, how surprised are you? I'm not very surprised. I, I don't find the Colts job to be all that more attractive than the 49ers job, even with Andrew Luck at quarterback. No, I, I tend to agree with you there. Uh, the, the 49ers have a very nice stadium. The Indianapolis Colts have a very nice quarterback. And I think the similarities from there are, I guess, just a matter of preference. I don't think, like you said, it's that much more desirable. And I think Elliot Wolf feels pretty comfortable staying in Green Bay. Uh, do you read into this that there's something in the cards for Wolf in the future in Green Bay? I don't really think so because... I I just don't know what was said. I, I wasn't in the interviews. I, I, I Anything would be speculation. And maybe that makes me a bad podcast host. But if it does, I'll go ahead and eat that. Uh, please speculate wildly. What, what do you think it says about <laughs> Wolf's future? Reckless speculation. It means that he is going to be the general manager for the Packers in the future. I, I guess, how many times does the guy have to turn down a GM post? That's what's really interesting to me about Elliot Wolf. What does he know that we don't know? Obviously a lot because he's he's now he withdrew from the 49ers job and it appears that the Colts just went in a different direction at all. I guess he maybe he didn't interview that hard. Have you ever had a job interview like that where you're just like, oh, I'll see what happens, but I'm, I'm not going to go after this one this hard. That's kind of how this one feels for Wolf. It, it does. Um, and, and part of it, that that's an interesting side note about this, about these two jobs is, is you were almost not allowed to pick your head coach which is very strange for an nfl general manager in san francisco it kind of felt like you gotta love kyle shanahan and in indianapolis you know chuck pagano and his pontificating of saying nothing was was going to return next year anyway so you were kind of stuck with the head coach at least at least for a season you think in indianapolis now maybe you can change jim ursay's mind and it does seem like he's the kind of guy who could change his mind sort of on a whim but i agree with you it's got to put anybody take, coming into that job in a bit of an awkward spot if you can't pick the head coach but suffice it to say elliot wolf will not be going anywhere anytime soon at least until the next general manager job comes available then we'll probably have to do this whole thing over again. Moving on to the next headline, this one coming from Bob McGinn, who's been throwing out some pretty good stuff this week uh, for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel and PackersNews.com. The headline, Ted Thompson's Formula for Success Fizzles. And I'm going to read you a portion of the beginning part of that, that column. Quote, it wouldn't have taken much. Add one player here, another player there. Win home field advantage, and it's easy to picture an NFC championship game at Lambeau Field turning out much differently 
than the one played last Sunday at the Georgia Dome. Only the Green Bay Packers under general manager Ted Thompson would rather sit on their hands than procure players, at least veteran players. Now they'll be sitting home once again as another more aggressive franchise, this time the upstart Atlanta Falcons, represents the NFC in the Super Bowl. Now there's a lot to unpack in this article, and we did a little bit of that on the site this week. But Gary, just your first impression to what McGinn is saying here. Is is he right? Does he have a point? This is a really hard one because it's on one hand, the best part about the Packers uh, is their consistency and their willingness to stick with guys like Nick Perry. They very rarely get burned on guys who leave Green Bay. It seems like they, they know when to cut their ties with folks. And if we're going to to criticize the Packers for not bringing in enough veteran players, I think you've also got to be okay with the antithesis of that or the, the, the what maybe comes along with that, which is signing veteran players who take roster spots from young players and, and don't produce. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I think there's there's kind of two, like you said, two prongs to this. On the one hand, the Packers do a great job of – of bringing up that young talent, but I wonder if they miss miss opportunities to fill in those gaps a little bit quicker in a in a situation where they need a guy to step up and step up quickly. Uh, McGinn points out a couple opportunities in this piece. He actually he actually lists six players that he wishes the Packers would have signed, and we're not going to go through all of them. But a couple other places in the piece, he points out that the Packers maybe could have have done something to like acquire a veteran cornerback. Um, instead of just relying on guys like Ladarius Gunter or even further down like Marwin Evans or McKinton Dorliant to step up. Um, Antonio Cromartie was out there on the waiver wire for most of the season after week four, and he he's not going to be a guy who turns around your franchise. But you wonder if he could be a little bit better, at least in the short term, than a guy like Ladarius Gunter, especially considering that the guys that they're moving around to open up spots for for people like Gunter and and Dorliant and, and Josh Hawkins um, were low-end guys like Don Jackson or Justin Perillo. I mean, those were guys who were moved to injured reserve or outright released in Perillo's case in order to open up a spot for a young cornerback. Do you think do you think McGinn is on to something there? Should the Packers look for something uh, like veteran support instead of relying on those young guys? It, it seems like a departure from their philosophy. It does seem like a departure, and it seems like something that would be so out of character that the Green Bay might even just make mistakes because it's it's so new. Um, I, I I do find it a little infuriating how. Uh, you know, in the postseason run, we were we had an active roster spot to a a wide receiver turned cornerback um, in in Herb Waters uh, when when there had to have been someone out there, and I I say that um, knowing full well that um, I I don't know who who was out there, uh, but I, it it's a little frustrating that uh, we are so afraid to lose those low-end guys and again it's it's what comes with the territory of not letting guys get away who are going to burn you um that that you you kind of struggle with your marwin evans and josh hawkins and herb waters and 
um, whomever else was in the backfield in the secondary um, against Atlanta. Well, two other thoughts. I mean, to McGinn's point, sure, they could sign a veteran, but you look at Antonio Cromartie, I mean, 32 NFL teams agreed that he wasn't worth having on a roster spot for 13 of the 17 weeks of the regular season. I mean, there was... all of a sudden you're going to put him in the NFC Championship game? Right, or or sign him at any point. Like, the fact that he wasn't signed, and there may have been some injury stuff there too, but he was available for a reason, and that's always the knock against... Uh, against guys that are that are on the street and I think Thompson would have a point there a lot of these guys are available for a reason you don't just find gems on the sideline on the street in the middle of the season I mean look at uh, look at Christian Michael I mean he's a physically talented player but there are some warts there too and he doesn't just come on the waiver wire because Seattle just offered up out of the goodness of their hearts someone the Packers needed the second isn't it a downside though John the the flip side is the 2010 Packers relied on veteran midseason pickups to to solidify the back end of their roster. Yeah, Howard Green. Um, I I couldn't even begin to name those those special teams linebackers that we picked up. Darrell Brig Briggs. Yes, um, he wore yeah, 53, there were, there were a right? Of those. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Wilhelm, uh, 57, the linebacker. Mm-hmm. Okay. There, they picked up a number of guys in that 2010 year, um, kind of in the mold of Jordan trip of this year where you're like, huh, all right, guess we're picking up veterans this year. Sure. Well, that, that kind of fits in with, with the second point I was going to make in. And I mean, if you're, if you're passing on these veteran guys, you got to think there's somebody worth keeping around. And if we're afraid of giving up younger players, like you'd think there would be a couple examples out there of guys who, who did happen to slip through the cracks and get away and ended up being good elsewhere. But can you think of any? I mean, two that come to mind, and these are these are a stretch, would be um, Charles Johnson to Minnesota and uh, Jumal Roll to Houston. They, they let Roll go instead of Dimitri Goodson, and Roll is out of the league now. And I don't think anybody is, is shedding any tears over over Johnson playing across the border in Minnesota. Can you think of any any guys who got away? Uh, Roll was the one that I had in my head, but he really only had that 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 couple of interceptions in Houston that first year. Um, Charles Johnson, I yeah, he I, I hate seeing him in purple. Any other color, I'd be okay with it. But like, I mean, even the jersey aside, if he's playing for. I don't know, Kansas City. Do you care at all? Like, it's just a trivia fact, right? Not really. And and maybe part of that is due to Ted Thompson's ability to just find wide receivers. Everywhere, right. Yeah, the guy goes to Coles for a new sweater and he walks out with a fourth wide receiver. <laughs> he just runs into a guy who ran 4-4 and, you know, jumped 39 inches, you know, at the local combine or something. Ted Thompson would do that and he would know that guy somehow. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Moving on, uh, talking about the front office, or, or I guess the coaching staff, in one last gasp, and I promise this is the last time we're going to talk about it this offseason. Fire Dom Capers, the headline from Pete Doherty for the Green Bay Press-Gazette. Not so fast, he says. 
Uh, reading a couple lines from this from this column, quote, Capers had a top 10 defense in scoring and points his first two seasons with the Packers, 2009 and 10. He hasn't cracked the top 10 in either since. That's six years and counting. And three times he has finished 21st or worst in both categories, including this year. As one league source said this week, at some point you have to look at Dom. Fair enough, but you have to look at the personnel too. Doherty goes on to point out that uh, in those 2009 and 2010 teams, uh, Capers benefited from big-time playmakers in Clay Matthews, Charles Woodson, and Nick Collins. Quite a few solid role players, too. Since then, it seems like the average talent level on the defense has done nothing but decline. Now the real only stud you have on the defensive side of the ball is Mike Daniels. And uh, I wonder if there's something to this. I I wouldn't say I'm the biggest Capers fan, but I'm also very sympathetic to the idea that that he just needs a little bit more help in the personnel scheme of things. What's your read on this? Are you are you a fire Capers guy or not? Man, I, I maybe I'm a fire Capers guy just because I want change, and I I think there's something better out there. Um, I'm probably a little a little raw um, and a little a little too new to being a Packer fan. I'm one of those cursed 1990s kids who never really knows what it's like to have the Packers bad. So everything's got to be great. Um, Now I I've just kind of had it with capers. I'm frustrated that every postseason our defense is a, a a wet napkin. Um, But if, if the person, but the personnel is, 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 hasn't been there either. So uh, I waffle back and forth and you're, smooth smooth consistency john keeps me at a level head well like you um i grew up now i grew up a little bit earlier than you did i i have a lot of fairly vivid memories from the 1995 and even 1996 season so i can remember those pretty well and it's 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 hard to say even as a fan even as a pretty i i would say both of us are above average fans of the packers it's hard to say what <laughs> kind of podcast guests click off. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to say what kind of impact a defensive coordinator really has just being on the outside looking in. Now there are some things you say about Dom Capers. It seems like his defense is a little bit complicated. It relies on young secondary players making smart, timely reads all the time. And that seems to burn the Packers sometimes, but Capers has been around in this league for a long time. He's been coaching at the college or pro level every season but one since 1972. It doesn't just happen by accident. And I think Packers fans, I'm going to trot out the S word, Gary. They may be a little bit spoiled in their perception of defensive coordinators. I say that thinking back to the 1996 Super Bowl. The coordinator that season was a guy named Fritz Shermer, and he was a legitimate defensive genius. But I, you can remember very specifically a lot of players saying after that game that the game turned around because Shermer made some key adjustments at halftime and in the third quarter. I, I know what happened because I've seen the game multiple times. The Packers changed how they used their their defense. They changed their defensive strategy. They turned Leroy Butler loose in the second half, and that probably won the game for them. But if there's any 
terrible time for a cliche to come true. It has to be in the second half of a Super Bowl because it changes fans' expectations forever. Now the idea that a coach can just flip a switch and make a couple adjustments and the defense is boom, fixed. Uh, it just has to stick in everybody everybody's mind. That is what happened in that game. But you have to remember also that the Packers had a Hall of Fame defensive end who had one of the games of his life in that Super Bowl in Reggie White. They had a near Hall of Famer in Leroy Butler. They had two excellent corners and a few other studs along the defensive line. There were some adjustments made, but it wasn't all the coordinator. And I think Capers, if he had the same talent that Shermer did, he could make some maybe brilliant adjustments on his own too. I know that's a bit of a soliloquy, but uh, that's how I feel about Capers. Well, even Pittsburgh moved on from Dick LeBeau. That's true. That's true. And uh, he invented the defense that Capers supposedly perfected. So I, I guess if it can happen to him, it can happen to, to Dom Capers too. And maybe maybe now is the time. We will talk about a couple other guys who time may have come in Green Bay. Some guys perhaps on the roster who may be needing to look for alternative employment in the relatively near future. But first, Gary and I have another exciting opportunity that we would like to tell you about. Gary, what have we got in the world of the newsletter from thepowersweep.com? If you visit our, if you visited the Power Sweep any time in the last couple of weeks, you've been bombarded with requests for you to drop your email in and become a, a, a subscriber to our, our notes. And uh, we'd like to announce that we've we've retooled our email subscription and uh, we're going to go about things a little different way. So uh, we think there's a, a need for uh, a once a week newsletter that'll drop uh, the same time Blue 58 does. Uh, that'll catch you up with what we've been writing about on the site and give you a little preview of what's to come in, in our podcast. So when you wake up Wednesday morning, you'll have a fresh email sitting in your inbox telling you all about the stuff John and I are going to uh, discuss with you on Blue 58 and a little bit about what we've been doing on the site. So if that sounds like something that's right up your alley, navigate your browser over to the Power Sweep. It won't take you long before we ask for your email. Go ahead and drop it in, and that's it. So check out that new feature at thepowersweep.com. Uh, then pour yourself a cup of coffee Wednesday mornings and get all caught up on everything that's going on on thepowersweep.com. All right, let's talk about this roster and what do we got going forward. Blue 58, hit, hit. So this is a new feature, and I guess it's a one-week sort of feature we have going on here at Blue 58, which I should remind you is powered by WTMJ Mobile. You can find us listed alongside all the other fine podcasts produced by the home of the Packers, 620 WTMJ, at WTMJ.com. This new feature that Gary and I are calling Step Up, Ship Out, or Not His Fault. Basically, we're going to run through a few players on the Packers roster this year who we think have three uh, three paths before them. They need to, one, step up. That means improve their performance. Number two, ship out. That means they're going to be heading out of town. Or three, maybe not do anything differently because their performance in the 2016 season was not their fault. And the guy that we're going to start with this week is someone mentioned by Pete Doherty as one of the playmakers on those 2009 at 2010 seasons, but those are a distant memory now. I'm talking about Clay Matthews. Gary, in 2016, Clay Matthews' cap number was $13.7 million. That's not how much he got paid. I should point that out right here at the start, but that's how much he counted against the cap. 
In 2017, that number jumps to $15.2 million. In this season, Matthews had one of his least productive years as a pro, just five sacks to go along with merely 20 tackles. Gary, I ask you, step up, ship out, or not his fault? Not his fault. I think that uh, his injuries were much greater than were led on to believe, and I'm not ready to say that uh, a, a bad season by Clay Matthews should mean that uh, he needs to get out of town. I think he's earned himself a, a, another run, and I'd love for him to be healthy next year and be back to his Pro Bowl self. I'm actually going to disagree with you on this one, Gary. I'm going to go with step up, and I think there's something very specific that Clay Matthews needs to do to step up, and that is to move permanently to inside linebacker. Uh, he has clearly lost a step on the outside, and I think his gifts uh, are most useful to the Packers inside, at the inside linebacker position. Uh, the Packers just have, have nobody there. The guys they have tried out there have just not worked. And even if Matthews isn't the ultimate long-term answer, he is better than anything else that they have at inside linebacker. I would I would like to see the Packers get their best 11 players on the field as often as they can. And I think putting Matthews on the inside is one way to do that. Your thoughts? Man, I, I, I like the idea uh, of what you're saying. I just am really concerned about his coverage skills. Uh, I've seen him get burnt more than Blake Martinez uh, did last year, and that was really the bugaboo with with Martinez's performance and, and Jake Ryan's to a degree too. Um, I I have a hard time believing Clay Matthews at inside linebacker is a, is a great place to park. You know, really fifteen point two million of the cap. I I I'd, I'd rather have him stay outside for one more year, but. Uh, moving him inside would prolong his career, which I'm all for. But uh, I say give him one more year on the outside. All right, moving on. Option number two, or player number two, to step up, ship out, or not his fault. Randall Cobb. Here are the details on Mr. Cobb. In 2016, he counted $9.15 million against the cap. And for that money, the Packers received 60 catches for 610 yards and four touchdowns. Cobb also carried 10 times for just 33 yards. 14 of those 33 yards came on just one carry. So do the math. The other nine times he ran the ball, he produced just 19 yards. Next season, uh, Cobb's cap number jumps all the way to $12.75 million. So I ask you, Gary, step up, ship out, or not his fault? Definitely a step up here for me. I think Cobb uh, has all of the uh, physical gifts to... I'm going to keep saying it. He is the same type of receiver as Antonio uh, Antonio Brown, Odell Beckham. He may, he may not have that extra 5% flash, but physically he is as gifted as those guys and plays a similar position. He's got to step it up. Uh, we need him next year. I think he has to step it up too, and I doubt that he is going to be counting $12.75 million against the cap next year. I think the Packers are going to come to Mr. Cobb uh, hat in hand and say, all right, we need we need to talk about this a little bit because we're not getting $12.75 million worth of performance out of you unless things change in a pretty big way. Uh, he's been... So, Go ahead. Um, so, so, John, 
if 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 the Packers come to him and say, you got to take a pay cut, and he got about forty million dollars on the market when when he was a free agent. Can he get that same amount of money if the Packers cut him right Abs- now? No chance. I, I would say absolutely not. Someone may be tempted to to pay him that much, but look at how the, the market for receivers has changed in just the last couple of years. When the Packers let James Jones go after, what was it, after the 2013 season, he played 2014 with Oakland, he, he caught on pretty quickly. Uh, now, after, I guess they call it the rookie wide receiver boom, it's just there's just nothing out there for veteran receivers. The the market would be severely depressed for Cobb. I, I he doesn't fetch anything close uh, to the kind of offers he may have been getting when he was last a free agent. He's got to step up, or he's going to find himself making dramatically less money. I think he can, and I think one thing he really has going for him that other guys, even on the Packers, don't is that Aaron Rodgers loves him. Uh, there may not be a receiver outside of Jordy Nelson that. Uh, that Rodgers loves more than Cobb. He looks for him on third down. They have a great connection kind of on that scramble drill. And Rodgers has gone to bat for him before. Uh, he likes Cobb, and I think that's one reason he's he's going to stick around. But he, he has to step up in a pretty big way. Moving right along, uh, back on the defensive side of the ball, we're going to turn to a guy who's headed towards free agency this offseason. He doesn't count anything against the cap this year, and it was relatively reasonable in 2016, 2.455 against the cap. But Dayton Jones produced just one sack and 17 tackles. What do you say, Gary? Step up, ship out, or not his fault? Not his fault because that's all he is as a player, and I'm okay with that. The Packers need guys like Dayton Jones. Um, I, I I think it's, it's great to have him if he's going to play at that kind of salary point. Bring him back. I think if you can get him for something comparable, you you bring him you bring him back. I'm going to go step up, but close to fifty percent. Not his fault. I mean, he's he's a, a way decent, to go out on a limb, John. Right, really, really going out on a limb here. He's he's a limited player. He just doesn't produce. He can be athletic, but I mean, he he can be athletic. Wow, not athletic all the time, but athletic some of the time. <laughs> That sounds like my gym career. Right. Can be athletic. Can, can be athletic. What I mean by that, I guess, is he he doesn't utilize that athleticism all the time. You don't see it from him. Sometimes he looks like a world beater. Other times he's just kind of a guy. And if the Packers can get him at something close to what he was paid this year, fine, bring him back. If not, I don't lose a whole lot of sleep about seeing Dayton Jones play for another team. Adding down the list, uh, back on offense, he had a 2016 cap number of $2.25 million, but didn't do much for the Packers this season and ended his season in the concussion protocol due to a car accident. We're talking about James Starks. Mr. Starks carried 63 times for 145 yards and zero touchdowns in 2016. He caught 19 passes for 134 yards and two touchdowns. His cap number jumps to $3.75 million next year. Gary, step up, ship out, or not his fault? Ship out. Uh, I love James Starks. He was a big part of the Packers' Super Bowl run, but that was seven years ago, and I think the Packers can do a lot better for a lot less money. I think they can, too. I'm saying ship out as well. I will not think too long and hard about the Packers' decisions to cut 
James Starks. If they don't, I'll be a little bit frustrated because I don't see a lot of reason to bring him back. He's well into his 30s now, and you can find more for less, I guess, if you're if you're looking for a running back. Let's hop back to defense. Uh, Jake Ryan is the next one in our little game here. His cap number, a very affordable $600,000 this year, jumps to all of $700,000 next year. Just 56 tackles, zero sacks, zero interceptions, and zero fumbles forced, I believe, for Mr. Ryan as well. What do you say, Gary? Step up, ship out, or not his fault? I think Jake Ryan needs to step up. We need to figure out if he's going to be and every down inside linebacker, or if he's just going to be uh, one of the guys that um, going to be a rotational backup uh, type type uh, draft pick. So step up, Jake Ryan. I agree. Step up. Right now, it seems like the Packers have both starting linebackers are uh, second string guys. Uh, when you play a three four, it seems like you want to have one guy who's sort of the the leader there. One guy who can who can really be the really be the playmaker, and then the second guy, even though you need two in a three four, is is always kind of the sidekick. Both Jake Ryan and Blake Martinez are kind of seem like that sidekick sort of linebacker in a three four. Neither of them really stands out in any any notable way, and it would be great to see one of them step up. And for the purposes of this exercise, that's going to be Jake Ryan. Finally, we'll advance to our final final player that we are considering our sixth of six and this is one Gary that I know that we are going to disagree on because we have talked about it before Eddie Lacy was paid just over a million dollars this year he produced 71 carries 360 yards four catches and 28 yards in the receiving game he is a free agent Gary step up ship out or not his fault Man, I know you're only uh, repeating the answers for the podcast crowd because you know exactly what I'm going to say here. Uh, it's time to see Eddie Lacy ship out. I think he's, uh, I think he's a great dude. Um, he's done a lot of great things in the community, but his football production just hasn't been there on the field, and his ability to be available for games just doesn't seem to be there. And and he can play in games, but. Man, he's an ankle injury waiting to happen. And I don't think his running style complements what the Packers do offensively very well. Um, I I say, Eddie Lacy, it's time to ship out. Uh, I'm a step-up guy for Eddie Lacy. Uh, Over his last 16 games, his his per-game numbers are really not that different from what we saw from him in 2016. Uh, or in 2014, really, his his best season with the Packers. Um, conditioning, obviously a huge issue there. But even as he gained that weight back during the season, his effectiveness didn't, didn't diminish all that much. I will not go so far as what Bob McGinn said in his player grades this week, that his, Lacey's weight definitely contributed uh, to his re-injury of his ankle. But uh, his availability is a concern. I would like to see him back at the right price, so I am firmly a step up for Eddie Lacey. But that said, if the Packers do decide to move on, I'm also not going to worry about it that much. I would like to see him back, but if if they decide not to bring him back, I'm not going to care a whole lot either. Are you? No. I, I think <laughs> running back is is one of those... Uh, one of those positions where, like you were talking about earlier with, with wide receivers, the market is so full of veteran running backs that um, if, if the Packers bring Lacey back, it's it's going to be pretty cheap. 
it's a devalued position. It's just, it's not worth anything anymore. Everybody wishes they had Ezekiel Elliott, but there's only one of them. Uh, and you probably aren't going to find him outside the top five picks of the draft anyway. And if you do, good for you. Uh, but you, you probably don't need him on your team anyway. You, you don't need to win a, you don't need a running back the caliber of Ezekiel Elliott to win a Super Bowl. And that actually segues pretty nicely into our new, our, our returning weekly segment, Gary, the bad mock draft of the week. This one comes to us courtesy of Daniel Jeremiah of NFL.com. Who we got this week, Gary? Daniel Jeremiah has the Packers selecting Alvin Kamara, a running back out of the University of Tennessee, Rocky Top. And here's what uh, Jeremiah writes. Kamara is a name that's generating a lot of buzz in the scouting community. He's also a player that would fill a need for the Packers. He's a major mismatch for linebackers in the passing game. John, I take it you're not a fan. Not a fan of this at all. Let's let's count off the things that Jeremiah does wrong. First, he starts with a cliche. My 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 one of my least favorite broadcasting and NFL right cliches is blank is a blank. So so and so is a guy. So and so is a running back. That's terrible writing. Don't do that. That's just a just some general advice for you there. Second thing he does wrong, generating a lot of buzz in the scouting community. When have the Packers last picked a guy who is generating buzz anywhere? I can't think of one. When when was it, Gary? Tell me, please. Oh man, you're putting me on the spot. It, uh, it hasn't happened. I'll just save you the time. Clay Matthews. I guess maybe, and that that was even an exception because they traded back into the first round to get him. I mean, that was completely off the radar. Third, he's a player who would fill a need for the Packers. I know the Packers don't say they draft on need. Every NFL team does draft on need to an extent. But just because the Packers need something doesn't mean they're going to draft him in the first round. Am I completely off my rocker here, Gary? I'll let you. If you are, I'm going to let you stay on the floor. All right. Is that where you go when you go off your rocker? I guess. I've never well, There's really... only one way to go when you get off the rocker and that's on the floor. You could stand so, up, I suppose. That, that's true, but something's touching the floor. Your feet? Uh, yeah. We are torturing this metaphor, aren't we? I think <laughs> that's a, That's time for us to move on for this week. Gary, where can the good people find us? Well, if, you, uh, if you're so inclined, you can visit us on the World Wide Web. Uh, our, our little homes page is www.thepowersweep.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. We are at The Power Sweep. We'd love to interact with you either there or if you'd care to send us an electronic mail. Uh, you can reach us at thepowersweep1959 at gmail.com. Any feedback helps John and I make Blue 58 and the Power Sweep better and helps make all of us smarter Packer fans. And smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. Special thanks again to WTMJ. We are powered by WTMJ Mobile. Thank you for listening. For Gary Zillavie, I'm John Meerdink. We'll see you next week on Blue 58. I haven't eaten in about a week I'm so hungry when I walk I squeak Nobody calls me friend It's sad the shape I'm in Going back to Houston Houston